Welcome to this episode of Tech Lasso. Although our show is ed tech and geared towards educators and their parents and their families and students, we haven't had an actual teacher on. We've had a lot of former teachers. We've had a lot of individuals that worked in the education sector, but not as an actual teacher. And so today I'm excited to bring on Erica Gary. Erica, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Erica. I am a high school history teacher. I teach, so I teach 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade students here in Southern California. Very cool. So what got you into social studies? Why? And what social studies classes do you teach? Currently, I teach world history, modern world history, and modern U.S. Most of my experience actually has been in middle school. So for about 13 years, I was teaching middle school history, which is medieval world and early U.S. What got me into teaching social studies was my middle school teacher, Mr. Nyquist. He was just very dynamic at teaching. He didn't do anything really special, but he was just very dynamic and really got me into the subject. And it was really interesting. And I thought, gee, that sounds like really fun. And I think I want to do that. You know, your story is not unlike a lot of teachers and educators. The impression they put on us at a young age is amazing. And like you were saying, it's like, nothing out of the ordinary when they come to teaching. It's just how they did it and how they they showed their love for that subject. Pretty much. He was also my English teacher in seventh grade too. So I had him for two years in middle school. And yeah, it was, again, it wasn't anything special that he did. It was, he didn't have like bells and whistles while he taught. And I grew up in the early 90s. So there was none of the, none of these bells and whistles that we use today. Definitely not. It, it was, just the way he taught. And, you know, a lot of people have these, you know, really deep stories about why they teach. And I, I just thought history was fun. Oh, very cool. And you're talking about bells and whistles. I was also raised up in the early 90s. What are the latest bells and whistles in the classroom right now? The latest bells and whistles? Um, I don't really see a whole lot of bells and whistles lately. I'm Right now, I just, I've just been playing around with ChatGPT. I saw the presentation on GPT-4, which is super fast. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about GPT being integrated into a lot of tech tools that we're going to be using. That's kind of my bells and whistles. The bells and whistles that I use every day are, are really just Google Slides and games like Blook it. The kids love Blook it at high school level, even. They love Blook it. You know, my daughter does Blook it and she's in third grade. She loves it. I still don't understand what Blook it is. So could you just explain it to me what this is? <laughs> so it's kind of like it's, it's, it's a quiz game. You can search for pre made quizzes by other teachers. You can make your own. The, the different thing about it is that kids can create their own login and play the the game that's run in class, they collect points based on how high they score. And with those points, they can buy and collect these blooks. They call them blooks, like little avatars. Okay. So it's kind of fun. They And then when they collect these avatars, they get to select with these limited edition avatars for when they play Blook It in class. Like last year when I was playing with my juniors, there was one kid who decided, I'm going to log in and see what happens. And he ended up getting the food collection of oh. looks, the food collection of avatars. And his avatar was always toast. 
Oh, very cool. <laughs> and, yeah. And the kids started noticing. They're like, why is Noah's avatar toast? And so he's like, oh, because I logged in. And so they started logging in too. And they started collecting their own books because they want they wanted their avatars to be fun and cool and stuff. So it, it sounds like a bit like a gamification of education or a gamification learning. Is that right? It's accurate? even more. It's yeah, it's even more gamified than your traditional Kahoot or quizzes. Really? So so Kahoot basically is just a quiz program for those that don't know. Like it's a quick Jeopardy, less than 10 seconds on average. The teacher will put up 10 questions. It's multiple choice and students mm-hmm. will interact on a mobile device or on their computer. And you're saying this is just more gamified version of that. So it, mm-hmm. it's a little bit more entertaining for the students, I guess. It is. And there's also different versions. There's different versions of the quiz game. So it's not just traditional question and answer. Like there's traditional question and answer, but then based on, they have like different themes, like one's called tower something and cafe and how for like for cafe for however many questions you answer. If you answer five in a row correctly or something, then you get more points. And then when you get those points, you can buy more supplies for your cafe to feed your customers and you get even more points. There's a lot. There's a lot of different versions that Look It has. I I know, like with my daughter, she plays a game called like Crypto Miner or something like that. And oh yeah. What is that one exactly? So that one is kind of you're you're playing whole class, and then you, uh, you you every kid has their own pre-selected password. The game gives you a choice of like three different passwords. You select a password. You're supposed to protect your your cryptocurrency. When you answer cr- questions correctly, you have you can you have a chance to steal the the currency, the cryptocurrency from your other classmates if you if you correctly guess their password. One of my kid loves it. She's always excited. She's like, "I got first place. I got first place." I'm like, "So you're essentially quote unquote hacking by doing all these activities to figure out what's going on." Yeah. The way you talk about book it, book it, and just listening to you talk, how long have you been using? different types of uh, technology in your classroom? Um, probably since I started student teaching in 2007. Okay, very cool. And what did you start with then? PowerPoint. And mm-hmm. in your time frame, so that's about 15 years now, if I'm doing it right, 15, 16 mm-hmm. years now of teaching. How has technology evolved and how have you adapted to the evolution of technology? It's evolved really quickly. And I'd like to think that I adapted along with it like pretty quickly. I think that putting it in the hands of kids is where like things changed. For me, I remember in high school, near the end, we we got a computer lab built. Like they tore down our auto shop and wood shop buildings, rebuilt a computer lab, and the teacher was the one guiding everything. Like the teacher was like, hey, mm-hmm. this is what you need to do. Hey, log in, type, do this. Like a teacher that actually was, I guess more ahead of the curve than the other teachers at a time, mm-hmm. what technology was teaching. Is that similar to what you're saying? Whereas now, if I go into a classroom or if I need help, I just ask my daughter, hey, can you show me how to do this? And she's like, here you go. This is what you do. And this is how you do it. I know. Like the other day or last week, I asked my students to use Canva to create a PSA. And one student had to go see her RSP teacher during the time that I was going to give the assignment and I wanted to show the students how to log into Canva in case they hadn't. And I was concerned that she was going to miss that. So I asked, well, 
are you okay with that with using Canva? And she's like, oh yeah, I've used it before. And she started describing a few things. And I said, okay, then you'll be fine. See ya. So the students are just a lot more adaptable when they pick up yeah. and they're more... They're, they're a lot more savvy now. You know, I had made, <laughs> I made that story. I don't know if you saw it on Instagram where, you know, it takes me a week to make an Instagram reel. But these kids, when I assigned, I gave the assignment, they were manipulating Canva like it was nothing. Yep. And just going through the assignments super quick. And, you know, granted, they already had all their content done, you know, but I was just amazed at how quick they were they were done with the assignment. It's crazy how quick and efficient our students have become with this. And I think just hearing you talk, you seem like one of the teachers that have adapted a little bit quicker with the generative AI and chat GPT. Mm-hmm. And so how have you actually used that within your classrooms? So I'm pretty slow at having my students use it just because it's locked in our district. So it's really hard for me to think about how my students are going to use it in the class. So my avid students, you know, I have a little bit more freedom with that class. I had them go through a lesson on how to use AIs ethically because I had heard a conversation when ChatGPT or GPT-3 kind of exploded in the winter, overheard a conversation about how, you know, possibly they were going to use it to cheat yeah, and, and, or write their essays for them. And, uh, and, you know, internally, I just shook my head. Like it's, it's not, it's not what you think. It's not what you think it's going to be. And I had only played with it a little bit. And I, I had already knew like, this isn't going to write the essay that they want, you know? So I developed this lesson where they use ChatGPT to write an essay, I gave them a prompt, um, and it was a district prompt from, from a different grade level. I gave them various prompts, and I told them this, this came straight from the district. Your English teachers have used these prompts, and another prompt was from um, the Common App. So it was a like like a college essay. Okay. It's like it said, you know, use these prompts, have ChatGPT write an essay. And they're seniors, so I asked them, you know, if you can't, you know, log in on your device, use your phone. And they did it. Um, and then I gave them the district rubric, which they were supposed to use to, to grade those essays. And they graded them, they, they analyzed them, and they're like, these aren't the essays that they need to be. <laughs> they yeah. realized, like, okay, um, it's not what it's supposed to be. I'm like, okay, so then is this still a good tool, though? Um, and they analyze and I'm like, well, it could be, you know, th- it has its its upsides. And I'm like, well, what can we use it for then? And so we came up with a list of things that we could use it for, like brainstorming, if um, if need be, creating an outline, um, giving us ideas for for stuff. If we've um, hit a roadblock or um, you know, just you know, doing some preliminary research. Um, and I went through, you know, things that. ChatGPT gives us like it gives us warnings saying like it's not accurate all the time. It gives us warnings that the info is only valid till like 2021. Um, so, you know, then and they know that they need to fact check. So like, OK, it gives us this information. and That's OK for now, but maybe I need to do another little bit of research before I use this info in my own actual essay. And then we went through our plagiarism policy here at school. Like, okay, so if you use ChatGPT, is it plagiarism? And we had, 
a discussion about whether it is or not. And some students said, um, yes, it is. And no, it's not. And uh, we came to the conclusion as a class, no, it's not unless you copy and paste and unless you don't cite that it's from ChatGPT. Which makes sense. I, I I know just looking at a lot of the Amazon books that have been blowing up, a lot of them are written by ChatGPT now. And it will say like author would be whoever put in the chat box saying, hey, write a book. And then it says co-author ChatGPT. That's and people are, people are purchasing <laughs> those books now. I'm like, okay, cool. But they're crediting it. And I think that's one of the things that I really just listening to you talk that I think is really cool is that when you're, you didn't say, hey, don't use ChatGPT. Rather, let's look at it. Let's analyze it. You get to grade it. And then from there, it's like, let's talk about the ethical implications. Is this cheating? Is it not? And Mm -hmm. you're helping the students develop those literacy skills that we don't Mm -hmm. get a chance to do as much anymore. I know just looking at a lot of the students or just talking to students, they're like, I just copy and paste whatever I say. My citation is Google. I'm like, but that's not a citation, Mm -hmm. you know? And so just continue to hear you talk. Uh, One thing that popped out the moment you said it well two things but the first question is cell phone use what is your impression or when it comes to the cell phone use in class how do you utilize it as a tool as opposed to a distraction um at the beginning of the year i had a pretty much no cell phone policy because last school year it was huge distraction they would be on their phones their heads down looking at it the whole time when I was teaching, when it was time for um, independent work, as they were working in groups, they were distracted with their phones and not engaged with each other. So I had a no cell phone policy at the beginning of the year. And then I transitioned to this light system. I have um, these puck lights that have different colors. Red means no phone use, green means you can use your phone at this time. So, you know, during lecture when I'm instructing no phone use when if if I see that most people are done with their classwork I'll transition to the green light if they're working independently I also have an icon next to the next to the lights for headphones so if they're working independently I'll turn on the lights for for the headphones so So that's how that's how I kind of monitor the use in the class it's really tough because there's these kids are so attached to their phones, like they will die on their on the hill for them. And so when if they know that, you know, it's, it's not entirely banned, and that, and I feel like I'm kind of teaching them appropriate times to use the phones, it's gotten better. Okay, um, with time this year, like, like, they're, they're getting a little bit better at knowing when not to and when when to use them they're also getting better at putting them away when i ask them to it's getting better it's just it was just a really hard thing at the beginning of the year but you establish such good classroom management and you have a visual you have expectations and like you say you're not completely banning you're helping them be respectful of your time and their time and just managing it all well right and then there's also you know there's also these things where it's like you know, are they still learning? You know, are what are their grades like? Is it a distraction to them personally, you know, like, or is it a distraction to the entire class? So, you know, you kind of have to assess the situation. So, you know, for, you know, kid, kid number one, if, 
their their grades are atrocious, then it's like, okay, well, this is probably a huge distraction in their life and you've got to do something about it. If it if kid number two is pulling a 4.0, but they've got their phone out during class, then you know, you gotta pick your battles, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And I think that's so relatable even home for parents. As a teacher, how do you strike a balance between the use of technology in the classroom and like just paper and pencil or pen and paper sometimes? Um, So I have classes that are 55 minutes long. And so it's kind of hard to balance within that time frame, you know, when to put away a device or or when to bring it out. There are some moments in class where where I tell them to dock their device so they know that's my phrase for close their device halfway so that I can instruct or they can take a look at what I'm displaying or demonstrating or we can have a whole class discussion. So that's one way, um, just you know, short phrases, classroom management technique. But another way is I am really intentional. I have to be, I have to personally be really intentional about my pedagogy. So when I do my routine assignments, like answering questions from the textbook, do they really need to do it on docs? Okay. No, they don't really need to do it on docs. And so I ask them to do it pencil paper just for the sake of doing it on pencil paper because they still need to have the acts or the physical act of writing yeah they still need to have that physical act so that's one way i incorporate that sometimes i'll have them write on post-it notes to you know as an exit ticket a lot of the time i bring out the poster paper for collaborative work and have only one chromebook out just for to use for classroom materials i say everybody but one person take out their, um, put away their Chromebooks. And so that way they have their materials on the Chromebook, but everybody's working on the poster paper doing collaborative work. That's just crazy. I'm like thinking how much time and effort and intentional planning you have to do now to say, hey, do we need technology or not? And if we need technology, does every student need technology or not? That's just like, I never thought about that now. I was like, in today's day and age is how much teachers have to think about the use of the tools they have, as opposed to just everyone pull out your textbook, everyone pull out your book, everyone pull out a piece of paper and write and we'll discuss. Now it's like, you're saying, do we need the technology? If yes, then how much of the technology do we need? And if we need it the whole class, how do I make sure to use it for the whole class effectively as opposed to just having it for the sake of having it. Mm-hmm. How do you utilize technology yourself for productivity? So as a teacher, how do you utilize it to make your life productive? And what tips or advice would you have for any brand new teacher going into the profession? I use, well, I've, again, I've been using ChatGPT a lot for productivity. Like when at the end of the day, my brain's fried from teaching and from creating lessons that I have to create more every single day. ChatGPT has helped me create those lessons when when I need background information for a document-based question I'm doing or I need when I needed questions to go along with a quick video that I was going to show my students. Yeah. Um, I plugged in the title of the video from YouTube and I said create five multiple choice questions based on this YouTube video and it gave them to me and I asked for the timestamps and it gave it to me. I did not know I could do that. 
Like yeah. the time stamp, stamp aspect is very interesting. I didn't realize how in-depth or deep ChatGPT could go. And mm-hmm. you also earlier mentioned the next iteration of ChatGPT, ChatGPT, which is now ChatGPT4. What's the difference mm-hmm. between three and four that we've seen so far? It's a lot faster. It's a lot um, more conversational-like, even more conversational-like. I haven't, well, it's not, it's not out to typical users yet, but I've heard that you can uh, do images now or search for images. So that's pretty exciting. And I don't know how it's going to be utilized on its own, but I know that it will be, I know that AI uh, or GPT will be integrated into, again, a lot of everyday programs. So they're kind of forcing it upon us, um, AI use. Yeah, that's a that's a different topic for the yes. discussion. But, yes. but but yeah, I'm I, I'm pretty excited about it. And then there's one last question I really have to ask. Do you feel like generative AI or chat GPT will replace the classroom teacher? Absolutely not. There there's no replacement for a person. Like you know, like like I said, we have we've you know, even the kids have said like it's it's not gonna replace an actual essay, you know, there, we, the kids have assessed that you can't have a language model replace a person who's going to teach students skills. So there's no concern whatsoever from your part and you don't feel like other educators or future teachers should be concerned about it. No, I don't think so. Thank you so much today, Ms. Gary. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate your time and look forward to hearing more of the great things you do. Thanks for having me. The Tech Lasso podcast is produced by the ITO coordinator team. We are part of the Technology Learning and Support Services Department at the Los Angeles County Office of Education. This work is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License and use our response form to be considered for inclusion in future episodes. Let us know what you're thinking. Also, share your thoughts via Twitter at LACO underscore ITO and on Facebook at LACO ITO. Follow us on LinkedIn at LACO ITO. Thank you.